So I'm really excited to introduce you all to Brooke Thorman, who's one of our mobilization coordinators here at International Commission. Brooke is from Oklahoma City, and she is a grad of Rogers State University. She has a degree in business management with a minor in Spanish, and she's very passionate about sharing the gospel and making disciples. She's been to several different countries on foreign mission projects, um, including Guatemala, Costa Rica. She's been to Thailand, even China. And Brooke is heavily involved with a movement called No Place Left. And it's a movement of believers to share the gospel and make disciples with simple tools until there is no place left that hasn't heard the gospel. She's passionate about the Great Commission, passionate about making disciples and using her degree. And you guys are going to hear that passion tonight. I'm so excited. You better get ready because it's going to feel like church a little bit. So I hope you guys have your Bible. Uh, a pen and a piece of paper ready because you will be using that in order to get the most out of this training tonight. So without further ado, hello Brooke and take it away. Hello everybody. I'm really excited to be able to share with you all um, and kind of conquer some of these common fears that people have as to why they won't share the gospel. And I tell you, I am no, <laughs> like Billy Graham, you know, it is scary to share the gospel sometimes, but I kind of want to, we're going to go through this, kind of talk about these fears and look at scriptural models and what Jesus did to kind of battle these fears. And so, yeah, definitely we're going to look in the scripture and we're going to use some tools um, that you all can use. And so kind of thinking about this and I was, I was going through my mind, why is this scary? Why is it scary to share the gospel? because this is such good news. You know, this is the best news that we could ever have. And so um, I think that a lot of times it's fear of rejection. That's a common one. Hold on, people are still coming in. So let me just make sure they get into a room. Um, it's fear of rejection a lot of times, I think is what we have to deal with. And then um, there's also power. There's so much power in the name of Jesus and the enemy does not want us to speak to that power. The enemy does not want us to speak about Jesus. And so any fear that, um, comes into our mind is straight from the enemy. God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And for me, I think that whenever I learned that I need to be a part of the great commission, a part of sharing the gospel with people, the fear that was common in my mind was what are they going to think of me whenever I say this? What if I lose a friend? Um, that initial starting of the conversation that just going into the conversation is really hard sometimes. Like, how do I transition this into a gospel conversation? And so we're going to kind of talk about a few of those things and see what Jesus did whenever he was encountering people. And he was obviously the best model that we have. And so, yeah, let's just go ahead and get started and we'll take some time and you guys can ask questions whenever, you know, we get kind of stuck. So the first one, the first fear that we're going to talk about is I don't know what to say or I feel awkward. This is a common one whenever you're coming into a conversation is like, I don't even know what to say. Look, we're, we're going to read in scripture. Our scripture is going to be John 4 verses 4 through 42. And this is about the woman at the well and Jesus encountering this woman. And we're going to look at what her response is and, you know, how Jesus kind of moves through this conversation with her. And so would somebody bold enough like to read John 4? We can split it up into two. It's kind of a long passage, but would two people like to read John 4 verses 4 through 42 for us? And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came 
to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and, and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, 
I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Amen. Thank you so much for reading. Um, that's a long passage. It's a really good passage. It's chock full of things in there. And so kind of going through this first one, whenever Jesus encountered this woman, he was having a long conversation with her she realized that this was the Messiah, the people, the man that they had been waiting so long for. And so he, you know, he starts to encounter her and tell her, you know, things about her life. And he, she's like, you, you must be a prophet. But he's like, no, I'm the Messiah. And so whenever she found this out, what did she say whenever she went to tell people? What was her testimony? He told me all that I ever did. Yeah, she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And so look at this woman. This woman has, didn't go to a Christian school. She didn't have any seminary experience. Um, <laughs> you know, she didn't have this great background in church. Like, you know, some people say, I don't know what to say because, you know, I haven't been in church my whole life. What if I'm a new believer? I just don't know what to say. This woman encountered Jesus for just a few minutes and she, this was her testimony. Look, I met a man who told me I, everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And so whenever we encounter Jesus, our response should be to tell people, even if we don't know that much, we know the gospel. You know, as believers, we know that Jesus came to save us from our sins and now he has risen. And so we're going to teach you kind of along the same lines of what this woman shared with people, a short testimony. And so for the people, some people you may have know, you may know this, uh, this tool is called the 15 second testimony. It's really simple and really short and good for whenever you, you don't really know exactly what to say or how to start a conversation. The 15 second testimony is really a good tool to use. So on your piece of paper and pen, we're going to write the 15 second testimony and there are five parts to it. Okay. So there's an introduction. You're going to write a backwards arrow across, a forward arrow, and then ask. Okay, so five simple parts to this. The introduction, you're going to start it this way. There was a time in my life. And then think about two characteristics of your life before Christ. 
So the example on here is anxious and selfish, um, but you can use any kind of characteristics that describe your life before Christ. Some people say I was lost, I was broken, I lived in fear. So just characteristics of your life before Christ. And then you're gonna give a short little gospel snippet. So you can say, then I believed in Jesus or I met Jesus who died for my sins and is risen. I chose to follow Jesus. Just a short um, presentation acknowledging Jesus as the one who changed you. And then you're going to think of your two characteristics of your life now that you've met Christ, now that you have Christ in your life. So this one says joy and purpose. You can use peace. You have hope. You're no longer anxious. You're now selfless. Mm-hmm. And then the very important question at the end, do you have a story like that? So I'm going to give you guys a few minutes to kind of think about this. The purpose of your 15 second testimony is not to give a long, a really long story with a lot of hard terms that non-believers may not know. The purpose is to turn a conversation from maybe something simple to something spiritual. So you can um, move that conversation and you know start to talk about the gospel and the purpose is to be short and simple this woman was very short and simple with her testimony she said i met a man who told me everything i ever did could this be the messiah that was her testimony and so our testimony is really just it's about our story you know and the purpose is acknowledging i was this way I met Jesus, who was the reason for the change, and now I'm like this. Has that ever happened to you? And so I really encourage you, as you're doing this, follow this format, um, because asking that question at the end is really important. Briefly going over the 15-second testimony, there is a time in my life when, and then two characteristics of your life before Christ, a short little gospel presentation two characteristics of your life now that you know Jesus, and then asking a question, do you have a story like that? I'll also say, if any of you are like me, I became a believer at a very young age, so I don't have a, uh, some sort of big testimony where I remember my life before Christ a lot. So what I do is I simply share what my life looks like when I'm not following Christ very closely, or I'm not surrendered to him in every area of my life. What does that look like? Am I angry? Am I bitter? Am I um, full of pride? So if you're like me, um, maybe it'll help you to think in those terms if you've been a believer for a while. Um, but in just a few minutes, we're gonna break out into breakout rooms. We're gonna put you with um, a group of four people. So you get, to chance, get the chance to know each other and say hi to each other. Um, and we're gonna practice this because I think that the best way of knowing a new tool is putting it into practice. And so um, again, this is really simple. I'm gonna go ahead and give mine and then I'm gonna have Allie give hers. And so there is a time in my life when I lived in fear and I worried about what the, the next day held. But then I met Jesus who died for my sins and is risen. And now I live with peace and trust in Jesus. So do you have I, a story like that, Allie? <laughs> I do have a story like that. There was a time in my life when I was a very bitter and angry person. But then I met Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave and forgave me of my sins. And now I live with joy and forgiveness. Do you have a story like that? Or have you ever experienced something like that? Awesome. So again, make it as short as possible. People love, you know, short snippets. And so also 
the average attention span is about eight seconds long. And so after eight seconds, people are going to, you're going to start losing people. So the purpose is doing it as short as possible. And the purpose again is to say, look, there was a change in my life and it was because of Jesus. Has this ever happened to you? And then listening to what they say, but we're going to give you seven minutes um, to practice your 15 second testimony. So that gives you all just a, a few times you can run through it and um, help each other out, you know, if you kind of are held up on it. So we're going to go ahead and do that, give you seven minutes to say hi to your breakout room partners. And then, yeah, we're going to practice a few times. I hope you got some good practice in. So we're going to go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, so the second one, number two, as to why people are scared of sharing the gospel is they're afraid to talk to strangers. And, you know, this was a big one for me, too. That initial going and talking to a stranger is very scary to think about. Um, but we're going to look in the model of what Jesus did again. You know, whenever we have questions, we should always go back to scripture. And so what is the model in John? You know, who, who did the woman talk to? To the other people. Yeah, it says that she, she went to the men of the town. So mm -hmm. the model in John is that she went to the people that she knew first. And so, you know, that should be our model as well, because we all have a sphere of influence of people around us, our neighbors, our coworkers. As we are thinking about who should we share the gospel with, we should first talk to those that we already know. So our lost family members and friends as well. And so um, go to those, you know, first, because that is what the woman did. She went to the people that she knew and then afterwards go to the other people. And so another, um, you know, tip I want to give you all is be intentional with strangers as well. So, you know, go attend to the same coffee shop, go to the same stores, which you probably go to the same grocery stores, be intentional with the cashiers, with the workers there, get to know them, say your name or say their name and introduce yourself so that you can kind of have that trust building already. And so you can kind of build up the courage to be like, okay, I know who this person is, but I've never shared with them the most important thing in my life. And so, you know, go to those, you know, first, and then be intentional with strangers. And so right now on your sheet of paper that you have, um, I would love for you guys to write down just like five people that you can share with, five people. And honestly, share with people in your church, you know, practice with people like fellow believers so that you can gain that confidence and practicing your testimony with people. And then write some names of people that you want to share with um, that you know, are, you are not sure if they're believers or not. So go ahead and write down those, the names of those five people. Number three on common fears that we face is what if they say something that I can't refute? You know, this is something that I would struggle with sometimes because like, look, I've never been to, oh, I didn't go to a Christian school or college. I didn't go to seminary. You know, what if they start bringing things up that I don't really know um, anything about? And so what we're going to do is we're going to read a passage of scripture on what God um, commands from us. And then we're going to continuously look through this passage in John. I'm going to read for you all from Deuteronomy chapter four, verses two. And it says, you must not add anything to what I command you or take anything away from it so that you may keep the commands of the Lord, your God, I am giving you. Okay. I'm going to read that one more time. You must not add anything to what I command you or take anything away from it so that you may keep the commands of the Lord your God I am giving you. So God clearly tells us that don't add things to the scripture. Don't take anything away. And so whenever someone says something that you aren't really sure how to respond to, whether like it might be from the Bible, 
say things that you're really not sure of. Um, acknowledge what you don't know, because I think people will, will appreciate if you acknowledge things that you don't really know or understand from the Bible. And then offer to do further research. Say, hey, you know what? I'm not really sure um, on that, but can I do further research and can I come and talk to you about it later? Because I would love to continue this conversation. You know, keep it civil. And um, another tip that I have for you is, always refocus on the gospel. So whenever we're talking to people, we don't want to get into long, unfruitful conversation. Refocus on the gospel. And so this is what Jesus did. Whenever he was talking to this woman at the well, you can see that she starts to bring in a lot of different political things saying like, well, you Jews, you know, say that we have to worship here. And why would you, a Jew, want to talk to me, a Samaritan? And I'm a woman too. And so there's a lot of different things that people can start throwing in and Jesus continuously refocused this woman to go back to the gospel to kind of get to the point of being like, hey, I am the Messiah. And so as we're talking to people, always try and refocus on the gospel. They might start throwing in lots of different ideas from the Bible that aren't really focused on the gospel. Always try and refocus it on the gospel. And so now we're going to go through and I'm going to show you the four S's of spiritual conversation on how you can kind of refocus and start to talk about um, the gospel or move the conversation. And so looking at John chapter four, there's a lot in John chapter four, I love this chapter. Um, so Jesus starts talking to this woman and what does he say at first? He says, give me a drink of water. So he starts off with really simple conversation and she immediately wants to start talking of different things. Um, but then Jesus moves it to more serious. And so the second S is serious. And so Jesus starts off with simple conversation, moves to serious whenever he says, go and get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, you're right. You've had five husbands. The man you're with now is not even your husband. And so he moves into kind of talking about the, the issues and the troubles in her life. So kind of moving to those struggles, moving to something more serious. And then she kind of gets off topic again of saying, well, you Jews say we have to worship here, but, and so he moves the conversation again, refocuses her again and moves it to spiritual. And so she says, yes, a Messiah is coming. And he says, yes, that's me. And so he moves it to spiritual conversation. And so, you know, as he's continuously talking, he's moving this and he's being very intentional in this conversation with this woman to get the point across that he is a Messiah. He is a savior that they've been waiting for. And then the fourth S being scripture. So going down, whenever she had shared her testimony with the men of the town, the people asked Jesus to stay for a few days and he continued to teach them, kind of going back to scripture and showing them more about who he was. And then the men of the town or the people of the town said, we don't believe because of what you said. Now we believe because we have seen with our own eyes who this man is. You know, we have witnessed it for ourselves. This is a really good model for us as we're encountering people, talk, starting to talk to people, start with simple conversation, acknowledge, you know, like, hey, I like your shirt or, you know, just talking about something simple. Are you from here? And then moving into more serious, a topic that anybody can talk about right now, obviously, is the coronavirus. So asking people, hey, you know, how has the coronavirus affected you? Has it affected your job? Has it affected your family? Start talking and moving and intentionally move into serious conversation and then go into your 15 second testimony or whatever tool you want to use for sharing the gospel and then move into that scripture. And so Jesus's model for simple, serious, spiritual and scripture is really good for us as well. That's 
the model that Jesus used, and that's a good model for us to use as we're encountering people um, with the gospel. Number four, what if I encounter rejection, hostility, or confrontation? I tell you, rejection was a hard one for me. You know, what if people reject me? But again, I want you guys to remember that when people are being rejecting of the gospel or hostile or confrontational, it's not toward you, it's towards the gospel itself. You know, and it might be kind of directed at you, but it's the gospel that they're rejecting, it's not you. And so whenever you encounter people that are really being hostile, don't engage in arguments. You know, what is our purpose in sharing the gospel with people? Our purpose is not to win an argument. Our purpose is not to be right or, um, you know, have a divisive conversation. Our purpose is to share the gospel. And so, you know, engaging in arguments is honestly not fruitful. It's not productive. And so, um, you know, try your best to avoid those and kind of have the awareness to, to see when a conversation needs to end if people are, you know, being hostile. And so a way that I kind of go about, um, you know, seeing if people are going to reject the gospel is asking if they would like me to pray for them. So if I'm encountering someone at the store, I'll say, hey, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. Is there any way I can pray for you? And if people accept prayer, then they're usually open to a spiritual conversation. And so I use that a lot to kind of judge whether people will be open to me encounter or engaging more in a spiritual conversation. So yeah, just that blanket statement of, Hey, is there any way I can pray for you? If they say yes, then it's like, okay, they might be interested in a spiritual conversation. If they say no, then they're usually not going to be interested in a spiritual conversation and that's okay. Now I'm going to teach you how to kind of recognize when people are going to be hostile and when people are going to be open. And so we're going to go again to scripture and we're going to look at Acts chapter 17 verses 32 through 34. Would somebody like to read that for me? When the people heard about Jesus being raised from the dead, some of them laughed, but others said, we will hear more about this from you later. So Paul went away from them. But some of the people believed Paul and joined him. Among those who believed was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, a woman named Damaris, and some others. Awesome, thank you. And so, from this, we kind of see three responses to the gospel. And so the first one, like he said, when they heard about the resurrection from the dead, some people began to ridicule him and laugh at him. And so this one we call a red light. So they are straight up rejecting the gospel. And so what should our response be to people who are rejecting the gospel? Our response should be to continue to love them and to be kind to them. Um, but keep looking. You know, our, our job is to look for those people who are lost and bring them to Jesus. And so keep looking again, be kind to them, but you know, don't engage in arguments with them because obviously the spirit is not working in them yet. And so um, the second one we call yellow lights, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. And so whenever you're encountering people and wanting to share the gospel with them and they're not necessarily ready to repent and believe, we call them yellow lights, and so they're, they're somewhat interested. They want to hear again, and so for these, I would encourage you to follow up with them and, um, you know, continue. Ask them if they would be interested in doing a Bible study together. Hey, let's study the scripture together, see who Jesus is, and so, you, you know, because if you see a yellow light, that's not necessarily a stop. That's 
kind of interested. And so don't give up on those people, continuously follow up with them. And then the third one, and some of them joined him and believed. And so if you share the gospel with somebody and they are ready to believe in Jesus, praise the Lord. Those are green lights. We like green lights. <laughs> and so I encourage you begin discipleship with them, you know, start studying the scripture together. And, you know, it does take time and sacrifice of your time to uh, make disciples but Jesus tells us to make disciples, you know, to teach them how to obey the Lord, teach them how to follow Jesus. And then another um, one you'll encounter is just another believer. And so with these people that you encounter, um, train them how to share their 15 second testimony, teach them how to be a part of the Great Commission as well. And so these are four common responses to the gospel. And so whenever people are hostile or rejecting the gospel know when the good a good time is to stop that conversation but if you encounter people that are interested or ready to believe then praise the lord follow up with those people so next one so the last one is number five i am not gifted in this area and let me tell you i <laughs> did not think i was gifted in evangelism whenever i first started or gifted in sharing the gospel when I started, and I don't know if anyone necessarily is just born a super gifted in all areas, but you know, how do we get good at something? We practice it, you know? So if you don't feel gifted in this area, fear not because we have a God who is greater than your fear of your lack of gifting. And so I tell you, you know, God tells us to go and make disciples. We are all, we all have different giftings from the Holy Spirit, but we are one body together. And so now we're going to look at Exodus. We're going back to the Old Testament. We're going to look at the book of um, Exodus and talk about Moses. And so kind of some background for you guys. If you've never read the book of Exodus, it's really good. Um, so oops. let me find it. So Moses, um, well, the Israelites were in Egypt and slavery for 400 years and they were crying out to God, and um, so God gave them a deliverer, and Moses, and so um, but Moses, you know, was having a lot of holdups and fears as to why he shouldn't, um, you know, continue and <laughs> help the people out of Israel, and so we're going to look at what Moses said, and what his fears were in encountering this great mission that God has given him, and then we're going to look at what God's response was. And so starting in chapter 3, verse 11, Moses says to God, But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And so this first kind of thing that Moses encounters is he feels unworthy um, to go to these people. And so here's what God says. I will certainly be with you. That's what God's response is. And so whenever we have that fear of being like, I'm unworthy, how can I go to these people and tell them the gospel whenever I don't think that I, I'm good enough for this? God says, look, I'm going to be with you through this, and I've called you to do this, so I'm going to help you through it. And so the second one, Moses comes up with a few other kind of responses. He says, um, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? And so this is kind of one that we... Um, we spoke on is, um, I'm unsure of what to say. And so God tells him, I am who I am. Tell him who God is. And so Jesus tells us who he is. 
teach the people who God is. And that's what we're supposed to say. Teach them your testimony. And so God gives him an answer. And Jesus gives us answers whenever we have that question of like, well, I'm not sure what to say. Um, God gives us his word. And Jesus has told us um, how we should talk to people. And so going on ahead to chapter four, verse one, then Moses answered, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you. And so this kind of one, I mean, I would see this as Moses saying, what if they won't respond to me? What if they don't believe me? And, you know, God gives him a sign through the staff that he throws on the ground. But, you know, it is not our job to make people respond to the gospel. It's not our job to make people believe. Our job is to give them Jesus, give them the signs. God gave Moses a sign to show the people our job is to show people the signs of Jesus, show people who Jesus is and leave it at that, leave it in the Lord's hands because it is not our job to make them respond or make them believe in Jesus, but our job is to tell them and go to them. And so the last one, and I feel like a lot of people could maybe relate to this one, verse 10, but Moses replied to the Lord, please Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently or since you've been speaking to your servant because I am slow and hesitant in speech. And so if you think that you struggle with speaking, I just, let's just look at what God says in response. Yahweh said to him, who made the human mouth, who makes him mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Um, now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. And so if this is one where you don't think that you're good at speaking with people, God says, who made human mouth? God is the one who made your mouth and God is the one who will speak through you as you go to people. And so, you know, we can have a lot of different hesitancies and a lot of different fears that we want to give God um, as to why we shouldn't share the gospel. But brothers and sisters in Christ, we have been called to go and share the gospel. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we see that from the beginning of time, God gave this same kind of mission to Moses. He says, therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And then he says, I will certainly be with you. And so we see the consistency of God in sending people out and then promising that he's going to be with us. And so if you are fearful of sharing the gospel, remember that Jesus is with us. The power of God is with us as we go and share the gospel with people. We have been commissioned out. And so let us be a part of the great commission together and give these fears, just lay them at the feet of Jesus so that we can go and make disciples like we have been called to do. That's right and amen. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Brooke. I am like even inspired and encouraged. Thank you so much. That's right. God did not give us a spirit of fear. He has given us the great commission. He is with us. Why should we fear? Yes, we're going to mess up, but like God uses our bodies, our words. We're his children and he is faithful. Oh my goodness. I hope you all were encouraged tonight as much as I was. And even in this hour, you have maybe shifted from being fearful to fearless. If there's any other fears or questions or hesitations you all have, um, whether it's something that we covered tonight or something that wasn't addressed, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you. You have my email, you have my number. Um, so please reach out to me. 
as soon as you would like, whether tonight or tomorrow. Um, but just as a reminder, again, the Great Commission is not optional. It's not the great suggestion. It is the great commission of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey. You all have now been equipped and enabled, and we want you to go and share. So before we close out tonight, I'm just going to ask Brooke to close us in prayer and to pray over the names that you all put in the chat. Yes. Thank you guys so much for coming. It has been a lot of fun to be able to show you guys this. And yes, be bold, be courageous, church, because we have been given a spirit of boldness. So let me go ahead and pray for these names and pray for you all as well. Dear Father, thank you for bringing all of these people here. And um, God, I'm so thankful for your spirit and for the boldness that you give us. And I know that if we ask for things according to your will, you're going to give it to us, Lord. And so I pray according to your will that you give each of us boldness as we go out and as we encounter people who need the gospel. And so, God, I pray for John Matthews, for Steph and Sandra, for Kelsey, for Yad, who, for Michael, Frank, Marvin, Justin and Joy, Brandon, Eric, Seth, Sydney and Cody, Jim and Diamond, Chris, and for Emily. God, I pray for each of these, that you'll prepare these hearts to hear the gospel and to receive, to go from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would use your disciples to make more disciples and make more disciples, Lord, so we can finish the Great Commission. God, this is what you've given to us. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you give each of these people boldness to go to all these people that have been mentioned in this chat. Lord, I pray that they will know the love of Jesus, the love of God that is greater than all of our sins, all of our mistakes, Lord, the love that covers a multitude of sins. And I pray, Lord, that we'll go in courage and boldness, God, because you have commissioned us to do this. And if you have sent us out, then you will surely be with us because you've made that promise and you are very faithful, God, to keep your promises. And Lord, we thank you that we are your sons and your daughters. And I pray, God, that as we leave this place, um, you will commission us out and you'll be with us and give us courage. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.